Investor Schooling is an education company located in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Investor Schooling, the principals or their employees, are not licensed by any regulatory institution. Phil Falcone and Larry Steinhaus are not registered reps of any investment firm, nor do they sell any securities. Their advice is based on their experiences and the experiences of their students. They are not attorneys or accountants, and before using any of their advice, they suggest you check with your legal or tax professionals. To find out more, go to www.investorschooling.com. This show is previously recorded. Now, let's welcome Larry Steinhaus and Phil Falcone, your hosts for Investor Schooling Live. Good afternoon and welcome to Investor Schooling Live, coming to you from Investor Schooling Headquarters. I'm Phil Falcone here with my business partner, Larry Steinhaus. We are the founders of Investor Schooling. Get ready to learn real estate investing and stock option investing. You can call us anytime during the show with your questions, 855-939-1137. That's 855-939-1137. That's right. We're a live program, so you can call us anytime during the show, and we'll take your calls. Don't even worry about what we're talking about, because we love to take your calls. Investor Schooling is located in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, serving the Philadelphia area in a real brick-and-mortar building. We are local Philadelphia guys, accessible to our students a minimum of two nights per week. You want to learn this business... And that's the business of real estate investing and stock option investing. You want to learn it from people who live it every day. Okay, so on today's show, we're going to have a few topics we're going to be talking about. What is the easiest way to earn in the stock market? You're going to want to hear that. In this crazy market, should you be selling or buying houses? How can using the 1031 exchange help you get rich? What is the entrepreneurial mindset? Can I buy houses even if I have no money? And we're going to close out the show with the stock option Sultan, who's going to share with you picks for next week's stock market. We also have some questions that were emailed into us that we're going to talk about. And that is some of the exciting stuff that we're going to be hitting. Larry, what's happening? Hey, Phil, I am so excited. Last Yesterday, I went to an event, and I spoke. I was a keynote speaker at an event. It was called the Real Estate Hackers event. And I was so excited to be out, being in front of a live audience, and being in a room with something like 300 people with no masks on. At the Real Estate Hackers event yesterday, it was, it was really nice. It was, it was great. We, I was well, talking why about... Why they call it the Real Estate Hackers? Right? Well, I think it was a weird name, to be honest with you. I wasn't, I wasn't a, uh, I wasn't like a, it wasn't a great thing, but there were some people I met there. As a matter of fact, you know, um, there was some guy, uh, there was some guy that I met there who is actually teaching something that we teach. We teach trusts. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, I just noticed he called already. <laughs> yeah. Say, hey, Randy, what's going on, man? Randy, are you there? Yes, sir. What's going on, Rand? So, Randy, so we teach trust and investor schooling, and you are, what do you call yourself, Mr. Land Trust? Is that right? Mr. Land Trust, yes, sir. Mr. Land Trust. So you t- you teach people the same thing we teach people, which is how to buy things in trust. And uh, we were talking about this yesterday at the Hackers event when I did my presentation on subject two. I was talking about how you should buy. But you, you're, you're at the presentation now, aren't you? I mean, you're at the Hackers event right now, aren't you? I'm still there right now, yep. I, I can hear all the noise in the background. 
So yeah. uh, since you're since you're the genius on trust, although although Phil and I know everything about trust, of course, right, Phil? We certainly think we know everything. <laughs> if Mr. Lamb trust well, we don't know, that would be cool. <laughs> so t tell me a little uh, bit about why yeah. somebody should have a trust. Well, especially real estate investors should because it's kind of an oxymoron that the, the, the more successful you become in the real estate business, the greater target you are for a frivolous lawsuit. Uh, contingency fee lawyers and their clients perceive real estate investors as, a, as an easy target because they have hard assets that can't be uh, vacated or sold off real quick, so they can sue them and, and get paid. And I, was, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Larry, but lawyers don't sue poor people, and there's a reason why. It's because they like to be paid, and they know that it's, it's hard to unload a 50-unit apartment building quickly, uh, if you're trying to avoid paying paying a, a judgment. Now, having said that, I, I want your listeners to understand, we don't teach people to use land trusts to take advantage of anybody or not pay their responsibility, responsibilities in life. If you harm somebody... Right, so, what you're saying, so what you're saying is if somebody, if somebody accidentally screws up, the land trust will protect them. And what I mean by accidentally is, you know, well, something crazy happens that we had no control out of. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, we, we, we intentionally uh, burn our house down and somebody dies, then we should all go to jail. But if, if something bad happens and maybe the insurance wasn't enough to cover it, you know, the trust holds the property separate from any other assets, correct? That's true. And each, each asset should go in a separate trust. But if you've got a minute, let me tell you a real life story that, that brings this point home. Uh, uh, I sold a house back in the year 2000 that my wife and daughters, two daughters and I lived in. Six months after closing, I got a letter from the buyer's lawyer saying that the buyer had to replace an air conditioner, all the toilets in the house and some wood flooring. And if I would just send them a check for $8,000, they wouldn't sue me. Well, Larry, uh, I'm not a real smart guy, but it seems to me that I shouldn't be responsible for maintenance on a house after I sell it. Yeah, right. And and so the, the you know the, it, the, this is just intimidation. These lawyers send out these letters, intimidating sure. people. Most people will pay, but I wrote him a letter back and I said, look, I, I wasn't the owner. I don't know who the owner was. And he wrote me a letter back and said, well, if you tell us who the owner was, we won't sue you. And I wrote yeah, him a letter right. back and said, I don't know who the owner was. It was a trust. Yeah, right. Exactly. And right. So, right. So the trust, it, it, so is the trust, it, right. So the trustee of the trust, you have full control over the trust and the beneficiary of the trust is the person you have, who's, who you're holding the trust for. And in this case, the beneficiary could be anybody. It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been Phil. It could have been, uh, it could have been Rockefeller. It could have been Trump. It could have been anybody, right? And and uh, and also the trust, most of the trust, yeah, right. And it could be an LLC, exactly right. And that's what I do. I, I make my beneficiaries usually an LLC. So that's awesome. So hey, real quick, we get we're gonna get on with the show. But real quick, Randy, you have some kind of weirdo program that you have to Ray, about trust. Yeah, I have a home study course that I, I sell to real estate investors to teach them how to do this. It provides all the forms, all the knowledge, and I give them uh, personal support. Uh, and they'll create trust the rest of their life at no additional cost once they get my home study course. So real quick, before we hang up with you, what's your website? It is Land Trust, with an S, it's plural, Land Trust Made Simple. 
Landtrust.com. Landtrustmadesimple.com. But the website isn't simple. I get it. <laughs> hey, Randy, it was good to talk to you, man. It was good to meet you yesterday. What, good? Yeah. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting and, you, Larry. Take care, man. You can call me anytime. You got it, man. We'll t- and we'll talk again. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right, so. That was, that was part of what I did yesterday at the Real Estate Hackers event. I met Randy. It was funny that he called just now. Uh, and, and I met Randy, and I thought Randy was, knew he definitely knew what he was talking about. And you know you and I. We talk to people about trusts who say they know trusts, and they have no idea. A lot of times we'll talk to estate planning attorneys, and they have no idea what we're doing. And I, you know, I questioned him about a couple of things. He knew the answers. I was like, ah, this guy, this guy knows his stuff. And he actually studied under somebody that we studied under who is uh, kind of old right now, Jack Shea. Well, that's kind of where it came from. Yeah, he's the, we call him the grandfather of trust, right, Jack Shea? Uh, I've never heard him called that, but it maybe some local yeah. people do. Yeah. I mean, I, I met Jack. I met Jack. I believe uh, I met Jack Shea at Jack Miller's house. Okay. Wow. Right. Right. Remember cool. I told you that Jack Miller, when he passed, he yeah. left his house yeah. to the real estate group for yeah. to be used for real estate meetings and. Uh, I met Jack Shea there doing a presentation on trust once. That's great. So, so, so if you guys are listening, you need to understand that you know everyone has a mentor, and we have our mentors, and these are these are the people who taught us what we what we what we know, and we're passing that information down at, at Investor Schooling. And by the way, if you want to call in eight five five nine three nine eleven thirty seven, if you have any questions about trust, if you have any questions about LLCs, if you have any questions about real estate, stock options, anything at all, eight five five nine three nine eleven thirty seven, and we'd be glad to take your call. All right, so you want to get into some of these topics? Let's do it. Let's dive in. All right. What is the easiest way to earn in the stock market? The easiest way to earn in the stock market? Mm-hmm. Uh, be a stockbroker and sell suckers uh, bad stocks. No. I know that's what, not what you were asking, but I just wanted to be funny. I'm looking for. Right. It wasn't funny. Uh you wouldn't want anybody to think you're a con artist now, would you? Well, I'm not being a con artist. If I was, a, if I was selling stocks, I would be, but I'm not. So think about the question. What, uh, where do you think I'm going with this? I'm, you're going to covered calls. That's what I'm thinking. I know. That's yeah. what you're doing. I just thought I'd you know, mess with you a little bit. So why don't you tell people a little bit about covered calls? So covered calls is actually the safest way to ever invest in the stock market uh, if you want to take a li- make a little bit of extra money. So, for example, you buy a stock, let's say you buy, a, a perfect example is Apple, because I think Apple's a great covered call right now. I think it's selling right around 133. I have to look, I'll be looking at it later anyway. It's selling right, right around 133. You buy 100 contracts, I'm sorry, 100 shares of Apple at 133, and then you sell the covered call right around the same price, maybe a 134 covered call. Meanwhile, you get, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, maybe a hundred bucks, 150 bucks for the week. So you, if they, they, some people refer to it as renting the stock out and you get 150 bucks. And if the stock goes over 134, the stock gets bought from you. If not, you get to keep the stock and then you get to do it again. But if the stock gets bought from you, it got bought from you. You already made 135 bucks. It gets bought from you at 30, 134, which means you made another hundred bucks. And it's a really simple way to make to make money and not have any risk. The only two there's one place where people get upset. Like let's say the stock goes up ten points and you sold it for two points more, but so what? That's rare. And the other one is if you have a stock that's a volatile stock, like let's say the stock goes down to eighty for some strange reason, 
you, you're stuck in the stock until it comes back. But at the same time, you would have had that stock anyway. You would have kept it anyway, and you'd be at 80 anyway. So it's not really a loss. It's just that you can't sell the covered call for a little while. It's actually a really great way to safely invest in stock options. Well, I, I would agree with everything you said, but I really think it's the easiest way to earn in the stock market. I don't know that I agree it's the safest because when you're selling cover calls, you are holding the stock over a period of time. Right. And if the stock does tank during that period, not that I think Apple is a grave danger of tanking. Not at all. But, uh, you know, it's one of the most profitable companies that's ever existed on the planet. So I have a lot of faith. And then why is the stock still at 133? Well, that, that's a question I wish I, I could I answer. I can't figure that out either. It, it, this has been going on for numerous uh, earning yes. periods now. Yes. And it doesn't seem to want to move. It's very unusual. Yeah, I actually tell people if you want to invest in the stock market, just buy, st and just buy a stock, buy as much Apple as you can, and just put it in a drawer and forget about it. Same with Facebook. Even at 330 Three forty, even at this point, it's a great. It's it's just you stick it in the drawer and you forget about it. But Apple is the better play of the two at this point. I would think it's probably the strongest stock in the entire stock market. Agreed. Agreed. You think that? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it makes you wonder sometimes. Um, I mean, you know, we trade options and we're always looking to maximize the amount of money that we make. But in times like these. Uh, maybe throwing a hundred grand in the apple and just letting it sit yeah, there sure. might be a pretty smart move. Yeah, it, it might be because the stock market is is behaving very oddly lately. You and I are both ex saying the same thing, both exper experiencing it. It's behaving oddly, where stocks that are supposed to move don't, and stocks that aren't supposed to move aren't mo are moving. I mean, you know, you could blame the Reddit people, but there's something else going on, and it just doesn't make as much sense as it should be. I, I don't know how much of the Reddit thing scares me. As a matter of fact, uh, I've played with some of those meme stocks, and I've done okay. Have you okay? Yeah, I've lost money on some. I made money right. on others. I mean, it's, it's kind of fun when you know that they're in play and they're very volatile. Right. Uh, it right. gives you... It, it creates an opportunity. Yeah, my problem with that, the, the options are too expensive because they are so volatile that the options are way too expensive and you can't, you know, the the odds of making your money back if the play goes bad is very, is very thin. And that's why I don't like them. Okay. So um, why don't we go to the next question? Sure. In this crazy market, we're talking about the real estate market. I knew that, yes. Should you be selling or buying houses? I love this question. This is such a great question. Because the, the, the question is asked another way, and it's always asked this way. If the prices are going up all the time and everything's overvalued, maybe I shouldn't buy real estate, or should I buy real estate now? And the answer is absolutely you should buy real estate now. Now, should you be selling? That's a different question, but let's talk about buying. Buying, you should be buying always. The thing that you need to do is learn how to find a good deal and identify what a good deal is. It doesn't matter what the price of the house is. What matters is that if you're going to, for example, you're going to buy and hold and rent it, the rent is the most important piece. If, you could, if you're going to overpay for a house, who cares? If you're going to overpay for a house and it's going to cost you $1,000 a month as a payment and you're making $1,500 a month in rent, who cares if you're overpaid for the house? 
It doesn't matter. You're holding on to it. You're making $500 a month, which is the goal for me. My goal is to have as many rental properties as I can because when I go into my retirement or if something happens to me, I know that I'm going to get paid for the rest of my life without a problem for rental properties. That's my goal. So I, I don't care how much I pay for the property. So look, uh, I agree with you, all right? I'm always buying whenever the opportunities are good enough. I, I deem it to be a property that I want to own, something I'm going to be proud to own in the future, something I'm going to be able to manage easily, something that's going to provide me with cash flow. I want all of those properties, all right? But I could tell you that there are circumstances where, like in 2008, Okay, so I proudly tell people that I, I had a pretty nice-sized portfolio prior to 2008. I didn't lose a single house. But I'll tell you what I did lose. I lost some rent roll in a commercial Absolutely, building. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I bought Executech, I paid uh, $2,150,000 for the building. It had a uh, $42,000 rent roll per month. That's unbelievable, right? by the way. Half a million That's dollars amazing. a year coming yeah. in, right, when I bought yeah. the building. And I bought the building two years prior to that. So when I tell you it had a rent roll of 42000 it had a consistent, very strong rent roll for the first two years I owned the property. After, in, in a period of less than a month, we lost, when 2008 crash happened, every mortgage company in our office went out of business. I think we had three of them at the time. Multiple real estate companies went out. A title company went out. We lost like eight Wow. Different tenants in less yeah. than maybe, maybe three weeks' time. They're just gone, done, all of them, done. So it's funny because you, you get a lot of real estate investors who started two or three years ago. Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm a great real estate investor. And they start teaching it. Yeah. Uh, they do the YouTube video. I'm like, you're not a real estate investor until you live through something like 2008. And, and either you, you survived it. I didn't. I lost everything in 2008. And then I learned how to rebuild it, which is another impressive skill. I mean, I've learned how to rebuild my credit to a point where I have $750,000 available in credit cards and I teach that concept as well. I bought multiple properties. I, I bought my first property after bankruptcy with a 420 credit score. Right. So, I mean, you have to look at it a couple different ways. Like, if, you're, if we're talking about houses, that's a lot easier, okay? Because if I buy a house for $350,000 and the value of that house drops to 275000 as long as I'm still getting the cash flow from my rent roll, I don't think I care. I don't think I care. Exactly. I'll, I'll be happy to just hold the house for another decade until it ultimately regains the equity that I once had, or it, I just know it will anyway, so I'm not really worried about it. But in a commercial piece of real estate, you're at greater risk because if... Keep in mind that the rent roll, I didn't tell you that the rent roll dropped from 42000 to somewhere around 33000 Which That's, is still great for the price you pay for that building, by right, the way. Right, but it was $9,000 a yeah, month less you. than I was getting. I got you. Okay? <laughs> and believe me, we, we made changes. We sure. had to make changes. We, yeah. we had to cut things and, and uh, get rid of some employees and, and revise the way we were running things to keep our heads afloat because we were concerned that we might lose it. And then once again in 2020, we had 100 people working in our building, and we went down to just two guys. Right. And we were pretty scared, but guess what? Our tenants are such honorable people that they all kept paying us. Yeah, and I'll tell you, this is why when people come to the school, they say we're real. 
because we tell you really what happens in real life, and we tell you real time. <laughs> you can't just go around and pretend like you're so great and everything that you touch is successful because that's is not reality. That's exactly right. It's not reality. And we're going to tell you where we failed. We're going to tell you where we succeeded. And if you come to investorschooling.com, you're going to find you're going to hear stories like this all the time. And you can be by the way, investorschooling.com. We're, we're now we're national. So if you're listening, you might be listening to us in California on one of our stations that we transmit on. And if you want to come to investorschooling.com and become part of us, you could actually go via Zoom. We have classes via Zoom. And, you know, our classes are on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And if you've never been to a class before, go to investorschooling.com, sign up for this Thursday night, and or it's 7 o'clock Eastern time or 4 o'clock uh, California time. Or, or is that Pacific time? Yes, I guess so. Yes. Yeah, you want to hear some of the places we're broadcasting this show? Sure, why not? Well, we're obviously in Philadelphia. We're all over New Jersey. We're in... Uh, the very hot market of Erie, Pennsylvania. We're in Erie? Erie. Oh, that's a major, major market. Hey, if you're in Erie, Pennsylvania, <laughs> just call the number right now. I realize that, that we're not live when you're calling. 855-939-1136. I just want to know if anybody from Erie, Pennsylvania is really listening. Okay. We're also in Portland, Oregon. We're in San Francisco uh, on multiple stations in San Francisco area and growing all the time. So right now, this broadcast that we're making today is being rebroadcasted 96 times in the month. So, yeah, so, so Joe on Facebook has a really good question, going back to the trust. He says, does it make sense to transfer own properties into a trust, or or, or should I only do it with newer, newer purchases? Would you like to answer that, or, or shall I? Yeah, I would say that it definitely makes sense. Uh, you're... Anything, anytime you can put something in a trust, it, 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 it's a good decision whether it's a car or a dog or a boat or a house. I think you should do it, and it doesn't cost hardly anything, less than $100 to do it. No, it's about it's probably about because of the because of the title company they'll probably charge you two three hundred bucks just for the transfer title, but so what? Yeah, well, oh, that's what I'm thinking. Like about right is a hundred dollars, eighty to a hundred dollars. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. It's not a huge expense. Right, exactly, and right. it saves you so much. It could save you so much it in the long could. run. Could you never know what's going to happen with one of your houses? You mm -hmm. never know. And let's talk about uh, something else. Uh, you know, this is something that's really talked about. We talk about it all the time. But if you have to go into a nursing home, so you're, you're older, you have to go into a nursing home, and you have three or four properties. You wanted those properties for your kids. You didn't want them to go to the nursing home. And if you have three or four properties and, and you're in your name and you have to go into a nursing home, you're going to have to buy, you're going to have to spend that money on a nursing home and Medicaid's not going to kick in. But if the property was in a trust, you never owned it, which is the greatest part. You never owned the property, which means now you can go into a nursing home, Medicaid will pay for it, and your kids can still get the property that you were the trustee on. That's one of my favorite things about trusts. Well, I do think that's amazing, but I think even more amazing than that is the ability to isolate each and every property from the other properties. So it, it's, it makes it virtually impossible for somebody to attach everything that you built your life around. Exactly. Why don't you tell the garbage story in Philadelphia? Yeah, so the way it works in Philly is... Uh, they do something called redundant leaning in Philadelphia, which, uh, in my opinion, probably should be illegal. So what happens is, suppose your tenants are putting the trash cans out on the wrong day, and they're just leaving them out there all week, and the trash is blowing all over the street. You can understand why the city of Philadelphia doesn't want that to happen. So what the city of Philadelphia does is they, they go and they uh, will send you a fine. It's typically $75 every time they write you up. So they write you up for the $75 fine, and uh, the tenants take the 
a ticket that they got for $75, and they throw it in the trash along with the other stuff. So they and then they pay. put it out on the wrong day, too. And the city of Philadelphia, <laughs> they do. And the city of Philadelphia will lien your house for the trash mm -hmm. fines, which could end up being like $5,000 if this is going on for years and years, right? You, as the landlord, don't even know about it, okay? And then one day when you go to sell your house, you find out that there's a $5,000 lien, not on your property, on every property you've owned. Yep. Every property you own at the moment, because they don't care how they get their $5,000. They just want it. So any one of these properties that you sell, they lien it for all of the fines that are on any of your properties. However, if you buy your properties in trust, City of Philadelphia has no idea which properties you own and which ones you don't own. Exactly. And that is why, another reason why we do it, it's, it's anonymity. I mean, if you look up Phil Falcone or Larry Steinus on the MLS, you will find that we own no properties. One thing that you can do on the MLS, like when I first became a realtor, we were learning how to use the MLS, and one of the first things the teacher taught us was look up Allen Iverson and you can see the house that he lived in, right? Which was cool to look at the pictures, but what you could also figure out is what he per paid for the house and what he sold the house for, okay? So if he bought a house and sold it and bought a house and sold it, you could actually calculate almost what his net worth was because his salary was public knowledge right. and his real estate deals were also public knowledge. Pretty weird. And that teaches that I think the reason that they were showing us this was to show us that you, um, if you buy everything in your name, they weren't pushing that. They weren't talking right. about trust or Understood. anything. Understood. Sure. But it did teach you right away that, geez, somebody could figure out what my net worth is. If I'm worth $10 million, somebody could figure that out rather easily. You know, I actually did a search on some of the some of the talk show hosts on WPHT, and I know where they all live. So if you guys, you know, get mad at me, I'm going to come to your house. You mean like if they send us a, a punishment for... Saying bad words on the air? Well, no, 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 not that. I'm talking about, you know, like if uh, if Dom Giordano or you know says something bad about us or doesn't play our commercial properly, I know where he lives. Dom would never do that to us. I know. Dom likes us. Dom Put the half hour mark. Why don't we take a commercial break? Let's do it. Go to commercial. Phil Falcone from Investorschooling.com. I'm inviting you to a complimentary class in Langhorn this Thursday night at 7 p.m. I will teach you how to buy ugly houses and make them beautiful. As a bonus, we will also teach you stock option investing. So get your butt to this meeting. 7 p.m. this Thursday night, Langhorn, 215-876-3002, Investorschooling.com. Hey, everybody, it's Larry Sinus from InvestorSchooling.com. You heard my partner, Phil Falcone, tell you why you should be there this Thursday night to learn about real estate investing and learn about stock options trading. We're telling you right now, you will make more money than you've ever made in your entire life if you learn these two skills. Be there this Thursday night at 7 o'clock in our Langhorn headquarters. Go to InvestorSchooling.com. Pull over right now. Take out your phone and go to InvestorSchooling.com. RSVP right now. InvestorSchooling.com. See you Thursday. Hi, I'm Phil Falcone from Executech Suites. We're an executive suite center in Huntington Valley on Buck Road, 67 Buck Road, Huntington Valley. I'm sure you've driven past it. We're right in between Street Road and County Line Road. We have 47 offices in the prestigious address of Huntington Valley. I have offices starting at $5.95 a month. You're probably wondering, 
Phil, what do I get for $5.95 a month? Let me tell you. You get an office big enough for one person. You get the furniture in that office. You get the telephone on the desk. You get the telephone numbers. You get the fax numbers. You get two full-time receptionists to answer the phone in the name of your company and patch the calls to you. So if your company's ABC Painting Company, hey, ABC Painting Company, how can I help you? Would you like to talk to Bob? Let me get him on the phone. You could be home sleeping on your couch and I'll patch the calls right to you. What else do we give you? We give you the conference rooms. We give you the kitchen. We give you the mailboxes, the printer, the copier, the scanner, UPS service, you name it. All of the utilities, cleaning service, and best of all, we give you free coffee. Get yourself to Executech Suites. Phone number is 215-942-7701. 215-942-7701. ExecutechSuites.com. All right, welcome back to Investor Schooling Live. We are transmitting from Investor Schooling Network, right? Right here in our in our office at 108 Corporate Drive. That's in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Investor Schooling Network? Is that right? Broadcast Network? Investor Schooling Broadcast Network, that's right. Ah, oh, boy. I used to call it Investor Schooling Headquarters. Well, it's now where Investor Schooling Broadcast Network is located inside Investor Schooling Headquarters. Well, that sounds really important. It's very important. I mean, have you looked at our studio? I mean, we've had people tell us our studio looks better than most radio studios. Just ask the producer. Yes, we have heard that. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to call in, 855-939-1137. We will take your call live, 855-939-1137. And if you're listening to a rebroadcast, you can still call that number, 855-939-1137. And we will do our best to answer your question, even if it's not live. And if you want to find out more about Investor Schooling, go to InvestorSchooling.com and sign up for this Thursday night class. I'm telling you, you're going to learn a lot. We, we've been teaching you a bunch of stuff today on trust, and it's funny we're having we're talking about all these people online. They're talking us uh, talking to us about uh, about trusts online. Yes, they are. Hey, why don't we go on to the next topic? What is it? How can using the ten thirty one exchange help you get rich? Well, I don't know about help you get rich, but I could help you save taxes using the ten thirty one exchange. So uh, I guess if you're you don't think it could help you get rich. Well, I, I, it's what you invest in that will help you get rich. The 1031 exchange will keep you from paying taxes on that investment. So, right, well, technically, you're right, but just it's just you know it's just a little extension of that. Okay, so let's talk about Executech Suites again as an example. Great example. Right. So I owned a bunch of houses. I mm -hmm. owned row homes. I owned them. Um, I owned them in Parkwood, Morrell, a lot of them in Mayfair. Um, I had done some deals down in the city, but I was mostly in the northeast Philadelphia area. Most of my properties were in between uh, Frankfurt and Tarsdale, Ron and Cotman. So that's the Mayfair area, right? And when I saw this Executech Suites building for sale, uh, I knew right away the building because I had taken my real estate uh, class to become a realtor. I learned it in in Executech Suites before I owned the building. And then when it came up for sale, I knew that the building, I knew all about the building and what kind of building it was. So I was interested in buying it. And uh, as far as actual cash, I had very little at that time, only about $10,000. So you had $10,000. So you had your name, right? I, I, well, I had a bunch of assets. Right, you had the properties. But, but you had actual $10, cash, right? I had about $10,000. Right. This building was for sale for $2.3 million. 
I negotiated the price down to $2,150,000 and I bought the property by basically selling a bunch of, so I, I went home and put a bunch of my properties up for sale, uh, about eight of them. Four of them sold rather quickly and I was the real estate agent on both sides of two of them. So I was capturing a lot of the commission as well, right? And I needed to come up with $475,000 in uh, actual cash to buy the property. That's what I needed, according to my bank, who was going to lend me the money for the building. And with a $42,000 a month rent roll, they had no problem financing. Yeah, sure. Right? Okay, so the question was, can I come up with the $475,000? I sold four of these properties that I had, getting approximately $100,000 from each of the four houses. All right? And that gave me four hundred grand. I was still... $65,000 sure because I had ten grand in the bank and it occurred to me that when you buy a duplex uh, You get the last month's rent and the security deposit given to you at settlement that gets transferred to the new owner mm -hmm. Because the new owner is now the landlord and it occurred to me that geez, there's a $42,000 rent roll. Why don't I call the um, uh, Title company and ask them if that money could be transferred to me I said of course it will be transferred to you at settlement I said no can it be transferred to me to use on the settlement sheet and he said yes yeah, same thing absolutely I'll do it right. he said yes we can do that and in fact most title companies do that automatically that you don't even have to ask them they automatically do it yeah I guess so but uh at the time I wasn't sure whether or not right. sure they could do that it was such a big number you were like oh you know well, make right. sure it's a really big number I could do that right right because it was like it was like <laughs> It was $60,000 is what it was. It was approximately $60,000. So all of a sudden, here is a guy who didn't have the money. I had, I had $400,000 in four separate 1031 exchanges. And then I also got the 10000 I had in the bank plus the 60000 I was only $5,000 light. That's which great. I just came up with and made the deal happen. So, so real quick, so you keep talking, you keep saying 1031 exchange. Why don't we explain to the, yeah, the I, audience I, what it is? I, yeah. I intended sure. to. Okay. So, so when you sell a house, for example, I had a house in Parkwood, I had a house in Morrell that mm -hmm. I sold. When you sell these houses, right, what happens is you sell them to somebody just like you would sell any other house. But you do not take the money. You do not touch a dollar of that money. You, you could touch some of it if you want to and only and put the balance of it with the uh, 1031 exchange uh, attorney, okay? So what they call an intermediary. So what happens is you sell these four buildings, you get $100,000 for each of the four buildings. The money goes to uh, an intermediary, a 1031 exchange intermediary. He takes that 400000 he puts it in an escrow account, okay? You have to identify the properties you're going to sell and the properties you're going to buy. And then when I needed the four hundred grand to buy Executech Suites, the 1031 exchange intermediary would then transfer that money to the title company who was handling the sale of Executech Suites. So bottom line is I never touched the money. If you touch the money, it's now taxable. Okay? And you, you, if you needed ten grand or something, you could easily easily say, Oh, out of this hundred thousand, just put ninety in that ten thirty one uh, you know exchange account sure. and give me 10 grand in cash now but i didn't need any money i needed every penny of what was available to me so essentially here's a really cool way to think about it the money came from parkwood to huntington valley the money came from morell to huntington valley the money came from two houses in philadelphia to huntington valley 
all that really happened, as far as I'm concerned, is the equity changed addresses. And that's exactly what the IRS says. It's exactly what happened. The, the equity changed addresses. And that's why you didn't have to pay taxes on it. Now, if you sell Executech Suites, you have to sell the taxes based on the cost basis. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, get, yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get uh, tax on the cost basis of Executech Suites to whatever you sell it for. Right, but I could always do another one. Exactly right. So I could always sell Executech Suites one day, maybe pull out a million five, or imagine it was paid off. It would be worth a couple of million dollars. Right. And I could take that couple of million dollars and maybe buy something in Florida where I intend to live in the future. Right. So you, you maybe you'd buy another executive suite center. Maybe you'd buy a hotel. Maybe you'd buy whatever. Whatever I buy. Now, you do know that uh, our new president is trying to eliminate the 1031 exchange. I remember that you told us that right at the beginning of the uh, Biden presidency. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a very hard thing to forget. When you're yeah. in the real estate business. How, however, this is what I mean, you know, whether whether it happens or not, and, and I, I actually believe it won't happen because I believe that the Congress and the Senate will not let it happen because they all own properties and they're gonna be cutting off their own feet. So but assuming it does happen, you have quite a while before number one it goes it goes in front of them and before it's voted, and then even if it's voted, there's some time before it takes place. So you have some time to make decisions on your property before it happens. Even if the the law did change, okay, and it did pass, it doesn't mean that the next guy couldn't change it back. No, that's true too. That's true too. And the, and the other problem, the, the other one, the big one that I'm really worried about in the tax law change is the the step up basis change. And we talked about this before, where somebody owns a property and they they pass away and they leave the property to their children. If they bought the property for fifty thousand and the property's worth five hundred thousand right now, it used to be that the the, the person who inherited now literally has a, a cost factor of five hundred thousand, and if they sell it for six hundred thousand, only paying taxes on the on the hundred thousand. Now, it can be argued that you know that's probably not fair. So let's make it so that the cost basis was the cost basis of the parent. Okay. However, the new law that they're trying to pass is not only is the cost basis of the parent, but the second the parent dies, you have to pay the taxes, which is ridiculous because now you have to sell the asset to pay the taxes, and what's the point of leaving the asset to your child? And by the way, that's another reason to put it in trust because that won't happen. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy thing, and uh, so there's, there's a, quite a bit of stuff that could be uh, very worrisome in the future and, and, and stupid to me because the whole point of these plans like a 1031 exchange is to kind of entice the investor to take the money from the building that he's selling and utilize it to go buy more buildings, which is good for the economy, of which course. is good for right. jobs, which is good for business, which is good for everything. It's all good. Wait, wait, but that, that would mean that capitalism might be a good thing. Yeah, well... Certain parties don't agree with capitalism. Uh, agreed, but luckily we do. And you know, you know that a socialist will never be able to make it in a capitalistic world, but a capitalist will always make it in a socialist world. It depends on what kind of uh, rules and laws are being passed in a socialist government. I mean, enough stupid decisions could. Uh, 
could force me to move to a place like Belize. You and Belize, man. I, you know, I keep hearing Belize. Okay, well, it's just a name for for right now. I've never been to Belize. Oh, you never even been there? No, I've never been there. Oh, okay. Well, I'm planning on going there. I I might go there soon. Take some pictures. I want to see what Belize looks like. Yeah, me too. I don't know if Belize is really is is real if it really exists. Well, I've also heard that Uruguay has a very strong economy. So you like you like stuff that's pretty interesting. I like it. Well, I might I might. You know, if I'm going to go down there, it might make sense to hit a couple of countries. Hey, hey, listen, we got Evan on the phone. This is from media. I got a funny feeling I know who, which Evan this is. What's up, Evan? <laughs> What's up, Larry? How you doing? It is who I think it is, right? It sure is. Evan Zaremba. So this is, so this is Evan Zaremba. This is one of our student liaisons who's an incredible, incredible coach, by the way, one of our coaches. So what's going on, Evan? So I have a question. So I heard you guys talking about trusts, uh-huh. and um, one of the, one of the things that people have, especially parents, have an issue with older older parents is relinquishing their assets before they pass away. They don't want to. I've heard this plenty of times, and you guys probably have too, where they don't want to sign over their house to their kids. They think their kids are going to kick them out, and it has probably happened before. You know, when you're when you're ninety something years old, you don't want to have that feeling of, you know, my my kid's gonna kick me out. My question is, when you put something in a in a trust, and you're the beneficiary of it, can you put in your will that a like a death trigger that when you die, the beneficiary becomes now your your kid or whoever you want it to be. So that you don't have to worry about them trying to to benefit from your at your estate prior to your death. There's a really cool trick that I do, which is uh, which is if you have the beneficiary of your trust, your LLC, have the owner of the LLC, your children, and you're the managing member of the LLC. So now what happens is you you're the managing member of the LLC. They have zero control of this LLC. They have to they have to file a K1, but there's no money going in the LLC because the LLC is just the beneficiary of the trust. All the money's going through the trust and the trustee what I do, the trustee has my trust says that the trustee is responsible for the taxes that he gets and all, and he gets all the money that comes in. So so what we do is that way the LLC is now owned by the kids. So now if I die, the LLC is owned by the children, and it kind of—it's almost like the properties flow into the LLC, but they don't really. Now, the person who's in charge of the LLC, or the one that I designate as the one in charge, if if I if I'm gone, if I'm the managing member, I say, okay, I'm going to designate my oldest son as the managing member. He now either appoints himself as trustee of the trust. Or he assigns someone else to trustee of the trust. It doesn't really matter. So now the properties never even they never even transfer title, and the kids now have them and they can do whatever they want with them. And it's the simplest and it's, I don't, it's the simplest and best way to do it without any tax tax consequences whatsoever. It's kind of a neat, a neat little trick. And can't you also have a uh, a successor trustee written right into the trust? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so you pass away. Somebody else takes it over. Like, for example, your wife might take it right, over. Right, right. Ex- exactly, right. And then upon her passing, it would then go to the uh, direction of the will. Right, right. And right. what's really neat about this, too, is even if you don't do that, so let's say I don't make the kids the, 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 the uh, members of the LLC because I forgot or I didn't get around to it or whatever the situation is, and I am married, any assets that I own, including the LLC, go to my wife. 
So now she can make those decisions on what, what to do with it as well. And if she passes away, if we go, if we pass away together, the kids now get it anyway automatically. Right. Now they have to work a little bit. They have to work a little bit harder to do it to, to solve the problem, but they can solve the problem. Is the, did, did that answer, did that answer okay. your question, Evan? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. So, so basically, you have in your operating agreement, if you pass, if you pass away, then a new a new managing member takes over. And exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. All right, man. We're gonna see you tomorrow. And anybody wants to come in and, and uh, see Evan, and, and he's like one of the greatest wholesalers you've ever met. But we're gonna have to go into uh, the stock option Sultan soon, aren't we? Pretty soon. Do we want to do a commercial first? We just came out of a commercial. We did? Okay. We usually only do one at the half hour. Well, we could just do one. That's fine. Okay, you want I don't do care. another one? Go ahead. No, I don't want to do a commercial. But I'll just, I, I'm just going to tell people that they can go to investorschooling.com. Go to investorschooling.com. Take out your phone right now. RSVP right now. Go to investorschooling.com. Okay, the commercial's done. You want to do one of yours for Executech real quick? No. That was quick. Why not just uh, run a commercial if you want? <laughs> because you don't want to run a commercial. So if you don't want to run a commercial, we're not going to run a commercial. Okay. Investorschooling.com. RSVP right now. What do you want to talk about? All right, let's go into whatever you want to talk about next. How about the entrepreneurial mindset? Want to talk about that a little sure. bit? Sure. Okay, so um, one of the things that we do here at Investor Schooling is, obviously, we're entrepreneurial. And we kind of are... Some people need to be taught about the entrepreneurial mindset because they never were entrepreneurs. They came here because they want to learn about real estate investing. They came here because they want to learn about stock options. They want to make more money. They want to learn about financial literacy and all the amazing things that we teach here, like like using um, you know, IRAs to build wealth and things of that nature. So a lot of people come here for that reason, but they've never been entrepreneurs. So one of the things is we talk to them about some of the traits that entrepreneurs have. So here's a couple of them. We'll just talk about it. Entrepreneurs naturally do everything they can to get around all the rules and laws that block them from doing not get around not get around because I, I think that's a bad way to put it really learn how to learn how to legally maneuver through them and I, I know that's what you're trying to say but I just want to make sure that, that people don't think that we're teaching you to break the law we're not we're teaching you how to use the law and and actually use what's built into the law to your advantage but those things are yeah okay so that's all part of the common knowledge of an entrepreneur because over the years, you just learn that, uh, that that's what people do. That's what we have to do. That's why you move into Belize, to hide money from the, the IRS. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking to move to Belize for different reasons. You got $20 million in, in an offshore account in Belize, don't you? Shh. Okay. How about outside-the-box thinking? Most entrepreneurs definitely have a lot of outside-the-box ideas. They're always... They're always looking for something different that the normal person probably won't think about. Okay, one of the things that makes me laugh to this day is, suppose um, I I put up a house that's for sale, uh, like a short sale, for example, right? And I'll put up a house pretty cheap, and agents will call me and they'll say, "I have a buyer who's very interested in that investment property." It just amazes me. You're a professional realtor. Did it not occur to you to just buy it for yourself? Unbelievable. Okay. So yeah, I, I find that fascinating too. That they they, they, they don't they how, how could they not understand that? It's incredibly hilarious. I mean, you me. put up a house recently for about a hundred thousand dollars. It's probably worth two hundred thousand dollars. And real estate agents are calling you and saying, 
I have a client for this. They all say that. That's, that's the dumbest thing ever. It and should be, hey, Phil, I want to buy this right now. Can I bring you a check? Well, sometimes I don't always call them back for reasons I can't explain on the air. But if one of them called me and said, I'm an investor and I'm very interested in buying this property, I'd probably call that guy back. Yeah, really. But then again, maybe not. So you know what? Um, so I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to say, can you run one commercial for us, uh, Phil? We we actually have a problem with the re with the stream, and we need about a minute. Oh, Do we lose everything? Transmitting. Let's keep talking because right, well, I'm could... not sure what happened. We might have lost internet or something. Who knows? So I could keep talking. Okay. All right. So. Um... In Florida, I own a mobile home park, which we purchased as a traditional mobile home park, and then we basically evicted all of the tenants over a period of a year and a half and brought in a bunch of tiny homes. And we discussed at one point, let's talk to a lawyer about are we allowed to bring in these tiny homes? And the lawyer wanted to charge us whatever it was fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, something like that. And I thought about it and I said, I got a better idea. Why don't we just bring some in and see what happens? And to me, that's a, a classic case of the entrepreneurial mindset. Let's just do it. Okay. Worst case scenario, I could always turn the park right back to a mobile home park pretty easily. And I if I bought a bunch of tiny homes, I could always move those tiny homes to another park where I'd be allowed to use them. So this is a classic case of the entrepreneurial mindset. And, you know, are you going to ask permission to do something or are you just going to do it and see what happens? And in certain situations, just doing it and see what happens sometimes is the right decision. Another thing that entrepreneurs do is we make quick decisions and we don't change our minds easily. Now, that might not sound like much to you, but I'm telling you, that's what entrepreneurs do. They tend to make very quick decisions, okay, because they've been running their own businesses for years. After all, they're the boss. They're the entrepreneurs, right? And what's amazing about this is, you know, when you meet somebody who makes a very quick decision and they don't change their mind very easily, you have to work awfully hard to get them to change their mind. Now you know you're dealing with a real entrepreneur, Okay. All right, how, Phil. How, how we doing over there? So we're, we're, we're still live on the radio, so that's cool. So if anybody wants to call in, 855-939-1137. And if you lost us on Facebook, I'm sorry to hear that, but we'll be back next week for you guys on Facebook. But 855-939-1137. However, I think it's time for your favorite part, isn't it? My favorite part. All right, here it is. Stock All right, so we saw and we talked about Alibaba finally moving, which I was so excited to see the other day. It actually moved, and it moved a lot. It hit 230. It went up uh, something like 10 points the other day, a little over 10 points the other day, which was kind of wild. I, I actually bailed on it early because I got scared, <laughs> but I made money on it, so that's okay. Nobody ever went broke taking a profit. I made some money on that. I liked it. Uh, once again, Apple, and we talked about this earlier in the show, Apple is a great play even at 133 i think it's a great play but you're gonna to have to stick in there i would hold apple out 
So even if you're going to buy stock options on it, I would say let's hold it out for a long period of time. You know, just just so maybe you go over two earnings even. And by the way, I got a I got a, a new thought, Phil. We talked about this before. We talked a little bit about how to how to get uh, you know how, how to play earnings. I yes. think I think the new way to play earnings, I think the right way to play earnings from now on, is we're going to go out two earnings, not one, so two. So we're going to come two two weeks into earnings, and we're going to buy a stock, and we're going to play two into earnings instead of one. I think that's the better play. Well, over two, it, two earnings periods. It certainly would be safer. Yes, definitely safer. But I'm noticing that, that when these things when they go down after earnings, they seem to come up in the middle of the month after earnings. So we have a, we have a chance to get all our money back if we're down, and a chance to make money if we're down. So I, I like the fact that 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 actually works. So I, I'm going to say let's do that for now on. I like it. Okay. So we're going to talk. We'll, we'll talk about that again on Thursday night. And by the way, if you want to come in, investorschooling.com, you can do it live or via Zoom, and we'll be able to help you with that too. All right, American Airlines. I said 22 was the play. It's still sitting at 22. I'd like to. See, I, I also would play that opportunity just in case we, um, <laughs> just in case our wonderful president doesn't lift the mask wearing or the mask mandate for federal travel. I'm assuming it's going to end in, in September. I'm assuming he's going to end it, and he's going to let it end. So I believe that everyone is going to start flying again. Now, a lot of people have started flying again. I'm going to say most people have, but not everyone yet. I personally won't because I won't wear a mask for five hours on a plane to California. That's kind of ridiculous, and they don't do anything anyway, but that's another issue. So I like American Airlines at 22. I think it's a great play. There's cruise ships or the cruise lines like RCL. So RCL is back to 90, and I'm try I really like to see it go below 80 before I jump in, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to. It seems like it's going to maintain the 85 as the bottom. So maybe maybe uh, 85 might be the play. If you can get in at 85, great. I would, I would do that, get in at 85, and I'd ride it back up to 90, 92. But if you can get it below 80, that would be fantastic. I'd love to see it below 80 if, it, if, it, if we can get in there. We'd probably have to have a really bad day in the market for it to go to below 80 or some kind of crazy news story about you know a COVID variant uh, Z number 7, 12, 11 or something. Who knows? That would make it go down. But that's pretty much it. And CCL is also the same kind of play. I like it. It also does the same thing. Uh, 28, I would like to see it below 25. But again, we're at the same play. By the way, I think I actually think that CCL at this price is a better play than RCL at 80. I totally, well, I'm sorry, at, at, at 90. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So so I, so I if you're going to pick one, pick that one. And in fact, I even like, I'm looking at the chart right now, the three-month chart. I even at tw if it could go below 27, it looks like it's on its way down. If it could go, go below 27, it might be a good play. If it goes below 25, it's a phenomenal play. I was thinking about buying it and uh, just doing some cover calls. Doing co yeah, it. absolutely. It actually, it would be a great cover call play. Yeah. And then one day you're just going to be disappointed that you bought it at 28 and, and it sold, and you know, and it hit 35 and you sold it at 29. But so what? It's you're going to make money three or four times before that goes bad. So I, I mean, not, not bad. It's just it's still good. It's just not a, not as good as it could have been. So it's fine. I would say definitely a, a play and even. At this, at this number, I like just, it. Or you could just buy options on it and ride it out for two earnings. Absol absolutely. And that's, I think that's I probably think the better move. Sure. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I want to quickly get into, because I've been bringing it up a lot, let's talk about crypto real quick. Let's talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're sitting there. They're, they're, if you bought these things at high numbers, you're crying right now. But well, I've seen this over and over again where crypto just seems to crypto back. 
So if you're in there, great, hold on to it. If you're not, I don't know if I jump in on it. It's kind of scary, but we, we can see, and uh, we'll see what happens. It's all, it's all I can say. I think uh, we've got, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, Pedro, make sure you tell him that it's, uh, that it's exactly 3 o'clock, oh, 3, 3, 3.59. Knock on the window. He's not even listening. <laughs> what? <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. So don't forget to visit InvestorSchooling.com for your free class this Thursday night at 7 p.m. We're going to be teaching real estate investing, stock option investing, and uh, that's InvestorSchooling.com. Pretty easy name to remember. Just go on there, put your name and email address in, and reserve your seat. Uh, if you want to give us a call, ask us any questions, 855-939-1137. You can call that number even during the week, and we'll have somebody answer it for you. Our address is... 108 Quipper Drive, Langhorne, Pennsylvania, and we will be available Thursday night at 7 o'clock.